0: Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on again, off again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina.
1: Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle hola hola chulas hi there everyone so today we have christina johnson from encouraging dietitian and i'm so 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 excited to have her here i don't know yay i don't know if anybody's seen my stories on how christina and i met but i um, describe it as we locked eyes across a room um (laughs) during fancy last year fancy is uh, the big nutrition conference, and they happen to be here in Philly, where I'm from. And Diversified Dietetics, which uh, we all love, had an event at my office space. And I think I was getting ready to leave, or was really close to leaving, when like, Christine and I literally locked eyes and we screamed and ran to each other. Such like, magic, such
0: <laughs> a magical moment.
1: It was, it was. It was like, a, we all got to meet all the people that we admire. Um, on the internet, we literally were all in the same space at the same time. It was just such a cool experience. So, Melissa, how are you? How are I'm things going? Doing right?
0: good. I'm excited to introduce Christina and talk a little bit more about culture and how that impacts things. We've definitely talked about this in the past. um, I am Italian American where food is like forefront love. And that has always been a big challenge in my family, how to like balance Balance. that desire, but also everyone's desire for thinness and diet culture and all that too. Um, And I know you've had the same plan So I'm excited to talk about that from our three different cultures and kind of find the similarities and the differences and how do we actually like work with that um, when we're trying to find food freedom? I think a lot of our clients struggle with that.
1: Yes, yes. So, Christina, we're just going to have you introduce yourself, um, tell us about yourself, and yeah, you have the floor.
2: Hi. (laughs) So, I am Christina, like they mentioned. I'm a registered dietitian, and I primarily see eating disorder clients and intuitive eating clients, Um, and I also like plants a lot. I'm looking at all six
0: of my plants currently (laughs) for my babies are adorable. They look lovely for those who can't see them. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I do not have a green thumb. So I live vicariously through everyone that can have plants and not kill them. Truly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. So we are really just going to ask you some few questions that our audience had. Um, and then we're just going to let you talk and we're just going to, you know, let this flow and, and see how things go. Um, so really the first question that, um, that I, I got a lot yesterday was how did you get started um, in the haze, intuitive eating world um, and why do you focus so much on culture?
2: <laughs> so I'll answer that in two parts. So I got started with haze and intuitive eating um, as I was leaving grad school or um, undergrad and going to grad school because I was really just kind of at a place where I was stuck. Um, I was trying to come up with my own nutrition philosophy for what I wanted to do when I was a dietitian and I felt like if I had to be a sort of weight loss, weight management dietitian that I'd rather just not be a dietitian. <laughs> um, cause it's just not my jam. And I just can't, I can't do that because I firmly, firmly have this like driving principle that I'm not going to ask someone to do something that I myself would not do. And so it made it really hard to, um, be that prescriber of weight loss if I myself was not willing to do it. And so I was like, okay, well, this isn't going to yes. work. And I am just, I can't be a quitter. It's not in my DNA. Uh, so I was like, well, I'm already in this, this master's got to finish it out. <laughs> you got to, got to rock it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, as I was like going through the process, I like graduated, got my master's and I got an internship. And so in my internship, I'm sitting there cause I had like a whole semester before I started rotations I was like, let me make an Instagram. And then I found the Hayes community and I was like, oh, these are my people. Like (laughs) they they think what I think, I like this. Okay, let's go with this. And so that just kind of like catapulted me into that direction because I was already having those thoughts of like, but what if you can be like a totally normal person in a larger body? Like who says you have to change anything? So it was really nice to to find that community. As far as culture, um, I think culture is really beautiful. I think different cultures are very beautiful, and I think here stateside we do a really uh, lovely job of trying to squish out every single culture that does not look yeah. exactly like ours. Mm-hmm. And I think that that I think that for a country that's founded on the ability to like be a quote melting pot, we don't quite. I mean, maybe we're melting a little too much. And I would like to like be able to honor people's culture and allow them to exist in that, whilst also existing in the larger, more dominant culture. And so I think it's really important to talk about like it's okay to, um, have these cultural foods, especially if like, as a dietitian, we're taught, oh, you know, anything that's not, you know, kale or like steamed broccoli and, and, you know, like grilled chicken is not quote healthy. Mm -hmm. And that pushes out literally every single other culture that exists on the face of this earth. Um, so to me, it's always been this like, nope, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure everyone feels like their culture is still valued and honored and know that like, there's plenty of vegetables in the world that I've probably never heard of, never seen, never tasted, and that doesn't mean that they don't work, they don't offer you something nutritiously. It just means that I have no experience with them. I have no framework.
1: Oh my god! For yes, so. yes. So beautiful, I, Christina. It's, it's something that I actually have been talking about a lot recently because I heard you say that. I think in the wind symposium, right. Or not the WIND Symposium. I think you did a, uh, like a just like a session with her where we all sat in. Um, and you said that. And I was like, holy crap. She's right. Like, I thought about me growing up Dominican. We didn't have broccoli. <laughs> like, broccoli is nothing in the Dominican yeah. Republic. We have malanga. We had yuca. We had um, yautia. These are all really deep roots. Vegetables that give so much nutrition, but they're not colorful. So, when people say make your plate colorful, if I'm putting, you know, this like gray looking <laughs> vegetable on, on my plate, it's not going to look colorful, but it's given me so much nutrition. And I think we often in the dietetic world do forget that like there are so many fruits and vegetables out there that we personally have not tasted and they still offer so much nutrition we took, totally like
0: take for granted those things, like add more color. And the yeah. tendency is to be like, oh yeah, okay, I'll add more color without <laughs> thinking about like, well, let's double click on that. Like, Why should I add more color? And from our perspective as dieticians, whenever we learned about what's the reason for color, mm-hmm. there are antioxidants and micronutrients that associate with those colors. Guess what? Purple and white are in the same family of vegetable. And so when we start loving on the purple vegetables, we better start loving on the white vegetables too, because they're of the same nutrition quality. And so, you know, not to make a plug for registered dietitians over and over again, but when you're working with a haze i.e. dietitian, they help you go past those platitudes a little bit more deeply and then connect it back to like, where are you coming from in your seat, in your culture? I mean, really, it's it's such a deep world of nutrition and we can't sum it up with those statements seriously <laughs>
1: Yes, yes. um anything else you want to say christina before we move on to the next question
2: no i just i love the way that you you pointed that out of like because i i and i um as we're like talking about this and like in real time sitting with this thought of like i feel almost like saying we need to make our plate more colorful as a root ru- a rule We've created this rule around we need to make our plate more colorful of like, you're not doing something right if your plate is not colorful. And I even sometimes will find myself being like, ooh, this is like way too one color. I need to switch this. (laughs) And then I kind of will catch myself like, what the heck does that matter about? Like, this is what I want. This is what I want on my plate. But I think if we're not careful, it can become a rule very quickly of like, oh, I need to make sure that my plate is not all one color. When in fact, like you could have different foods that are the same color, but have completely different nutritional value and completely different, like flavor, texture, taste, all these different things. But if we're stuck on that, like color principle, that color rule, it's going to, it's going to disrupt our ability to to make that play up.
0: Yeah. You lose the creativity entirely (laughs) for sure.
1: Yes. Yes. So I guess the next question um, that, that one of my followers asked was how do we discuss eating disorder treatments, Right and the lack of diversity and cultural appropri- uh, appreciation <laughs> <laughs> in treatment. Um, and how can someone who wants to seek um, treatment, how can they find a facility um, that they can feel comfortable with? Do you have any tips for that?
2: Um, so, I'll answer this in reverse, I guess. Um, as far as finding, um, a, f- a dietitian or facility that you're comfortable with, I think it's important to remember that your provider works for you. You don't work for them. So at any point in time, you're allowed to fire your provider and find a new <laughs> one that fits better. Yeah. Um, I, I remind people of this all the time, whether it's my friends, my family, my employee, like, doesn't matter who it is. They work for you. You don't work for them. Fire them. If they are not a good fit for you, like you are allowed to seek out a new healthcare provider that provides you with the care that you deserve, even if you don't feel yeah. like you deserve it just yet. Yes, yes. And I think that's really important to add. Um, as far as finding a facility, so uh, one of my fake dietitian friends, Whitney Char, um, she does a really great job of calling and speaking to uh, the staff at eating disorder facilities and speaking to the higher ups of like, what are you doing to um, a more inclusive space. What does your hiring practice look like? Like what is your uh, treatment team? Like what does the breakdown look like? So I think it's helpful to have someone like a dietitian on your side or a therapist on your side who can kind of do that questioning for you depending on where you are. Um, Cause we are uh, in a more well-fed state. So we're able to kind of like think and, and, and analyze what's going on there. Um, but I think it's important to look at the website yourself, right? At this point in time, most eating disorder places have a website. Look at the website. Do you see things that um, are interesting to you? Do you see things that line up with your healthy self values? Do you see um, people who look like you? And if not, why not? Like we can, you're allowed to ask those questions. One of my clients actually just asked that question. She's like, do you even have any black clinicians? Like, is that a thing over there? <laughs> um, well, but the Uh, The answer was no. (laughs) No, they did not. Um, As far as talking about the lack of inclusivity and diversity in eating disorder treatment, I think that starts with the research ironically enough in that if research says or research used to say right that eating disorders was a problem for skinny thin white like white girls you're going to hire people who look like the person who's struggling yes. right yeah. that that makes sense but we've realized since then that that's actually not the case at all eating disorders affect anyone that has a brain and so that the research is starting to catch up but it's harder to change a system that's been in place for a long time and so that now looks like, okay, we need to bring in a diverse school of thought, but we need to remember that most eating disorder treatment also is still rooted in diet culture. So it's going to uphold that, that system, that, that system of oppression. And so there's a lot to be had there, a lot to break down there. Um, I think it changes um, more inclusive research that looks at outpatient uh, clinicians. That's one of my newest um, how oh, do I want to use uh, one of my newest like soapboxes? Is we need to we need to send research to our outpatient dietitians, the ones who are like out outpatient, not day treatment, but like out outpatient. Mm-hmm. That's where you're really gonna find more diverse uh, populations, right? Because you're that's where people who maybe don't need a clinical whatever aren't gonna step up to a higher level of care, or maybe they can't afford it, maybe it's just not a, um, a maybe it's not a good fit for where they are in life, but I think you're gonna get a better, pop, um, better understanding of the population there. But then I also just think it's something that we need to teach better in school, right? Like we know that eating disorders affect anyone with the brain, and yet it's not something that we spend more than five minutes talking about over the course of becoming a dietitian, right? Like you are lucky to get a full week of education about eating disorders in undergraduate, let alone an entire course um, I was really lucky to get a course in grad school. Most people don't even like, like the full course. I had a full course on eating disorders, but most people don't have that. And so trying to get into a, a field that is very gate kept, if you will, Mm um, there's a lot of work in that. So I just think it takes conversations like this. It's good that have to keep happening. And people thank goodness for the internet, continuing to to petition on the internet of like, you aren't serving me well because again they work for you you do not work for them you are not serving me well by not having people on staff that look like me or can understand my experience or have any sort of understanding of what's going on outside of this one experience
0: I'm so freaking glad you're not a quitter and you went (laughs) to that master's program and you did that course and got that treatment because you are so meant to do this Christina it's not even funny like the passion that you bring to this. And even as I'm listening to this, just as a white woman who represents what people look like, right? When we imagine the eating disorder community in our psyche, not what actually is the eating Mm -hmm. disorder community. I'm just curious, like for you two, what has it been like for your clients, for them to have someone who looks like them, both Delina and Christina, because to me that must be such a beautiful experience, both as a provider and for the person in your seat to know like this this is, this is my story too. You know, this is something that happens to me in my community. I'm just curious what that's been like for you and your clients. Do I know?
1: Oh, me. Oh, well, this isn't about me. <laughs> well, it's about all of it. Cause I think it is. It is. Um, I think that it's, it's actually, I, it's crazy because I feel like that even when it's not just eating disorders, I feel like it's like that in every single Session that I have when when you're able to bring up a food that a clinician that might be white um uh, doesn't even understand, like I don't know, pupusas for for an example. Like we just had a whole conversation on that um in my groups and we were all discussing, you know, how delicious and cheesy and amazing they are. Do you know what a pupusa is, Melissa?
0: Put a, picture up, <laughs> put a picture up the other day, but I've never had one really,
1: exactly. So I think um I think that that's what brings people together, right? It's that culture, that connection. Um, Even sometimes it's language. Um, It's just knowing, right? So you know what just
0: came up when you said that though? Like for me, I'm going like, okay, like I'm evaluating it like food. Like I'm going, okay, I think there's cheese in there. So I'm going like protein, maybe some (laughs) calcium. Like I'm thinking about it like in a really reductionist nutrition way. For you, you smile, like you see the emotion, the feeling, what that means to you, what kind of party you're going to have that, around you, right? Like and I think that that's I think that's sometimes the gap sometimes for like white yeah. clinicians is like, yeah, I can I can listen to you and I can understand, but I'm gonna need like a little more help understanding the emotional quality of that yeah. food for you and like yeah. what does it mean and where are you having it? And I'm less able to adapt it. Doesn't I mean I can't, but I think to Christina's point, like being able to say like I deserve someone who I don't have to work overtime for them to understand yeah. me is like such a freaking valuable message. You know, if you are doing your homework and you're looking for a dietitian. make sure that you don't have to work so hard to be heard and known. Like that's the difference, right? Like we can all do the job, but who's going to know me quickly.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and that's why I think it's so important as Christina said, to ask those questions, you mm-hmm. find a provider that's going to be the right fit for you. Yeah. That's it. Um, and there's no shame in asking questions. Most of the time you have to pay for this out of pocket, especially in eating disorder treatment. So, pay for someone that you are going to be comfortable with and that's going to help you. This is all about you. It's not about me. (laughs) It's about you. And I'm always saying that, but I sound like a broken, broken record, but worth repeating money, you pay for it. You get the help and treatment that you need. Um, so Christina, what about you? I think, um, I think two ways about this. I think in terms of like provider
2: to client, I, like I always sit in awe, and I just am always like I feel so connected to my client in that moment. I'm just like, look at them, feeling seen, feeling heard. Like this feels so good. Like I just, it it fills me up. Like it like fills me all the way up, and then it overflows, and then I have to put it on the internet because I just get so excited about it. Um, but I think in terms of like client to provider, I think that um, there's something in not having to explain part of your lived experience and being able to give a look. <laughs> and that other person just understands, like, there's something to that. And there's something to feeling, I think it's grounding, honestly, I think being able to not have to explain that part of your lived experience, because there's parts of being Dominican or parts of being black that I, that I or Delena are just not going to know how to put into words. It's just something we've lived our whole life. We're like, I don't know, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. And being able to express that in a look or express that in, like, some, like, turn of phrase or whatever Mm -hmm. and have that other person understand and not need to do the the backlog work of explaining, like, what that is and where that came from is really grounding and makes it much easier to do the work in session because you're not also having to explain your entire culture. You're just needing to explain yourself.
0: Yeah. And wondering, like, what will this person think? about this aspect of my culture because, I mean, that's just the human brain. We like similarity. We like sameness. Like we like Mm -hmm. the brain is always trying to do that. And so in session, when you are explaining something that might be perceived as different, it is more vulnerable. And so if you have more faith and trust that that person's going to get it without question in a non-judgmental way, yeah, you're going to get deeper in the work a lot faster. So I think that's such a good point, Christina. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Yes. And, Christina, I think that this is something that you and I have, have discussed, and I remember um, you told me that you kind of wanted to talk a little bit about this, because you are a research junkie. Um, you have shared with me that you read research in bed, and I was like, what? <laughs> this is true. This is that's a, that's this a little deep research. for me. <laughs> um, but you, you said that you recently read um, something about the Latinx culture and um, eating disorders and I would love for you to bring that up and, and talk a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, so it's, um, I uh, I feel like my professors in college would be super proud of me because all of my research is in the last five years, right? Because that's the rule for it to be valid and relevant and the in the rule. last five years. Fresh um, off
0: the press, baby. <laughs>
2: yes, yes. So I think these two articles were published. I believe both of them were published in 2018, but it was looking at, um, one of them was specifically looking at the role of immigration to a new country and someone's relationship with food and how it gets disrupted both in the trauma of moving to a new country, but then also um, in navigating a new lands, a food landscape and um, maybe um, for some people, not, not everyone has that same experience, but navigating um, being in a different socioeconomic status than you were maybe in your country of origin. And so it's looking at the interplay of all of those and then also like what it was like for them to work with a a Latinx dietitian who was able to understand like what was going on in their food culture and why they would make the choices that they did once they uh, immigrated to the U.S. Because it was looking at, I think, oh, I don't remember which Latinx country, but it was like a, a conglomerate of latinx people moving to the u.s um and so it focused a lot on not just individual education but valuing that sort of family community principle that occurs oftentimes in latinx cultures of like you can't just educate person who is experiencing (laughs) the thing; you need to educate family in order to make any sort of lasting change and i thought that that was so i don't think it's revolutionary but i thought it was revolutionary to see it in the research that we named it like that we named it, yeah, that we think this is part of their culture and you need to honor that. I have yeah, a textbook yeah. on my bookshelf that's all about um, cultural competency and healthcare. Yeah. And it kind of gives like these very, very like basic level understandings of like things that are valued yeah. in different cultures around the world. And I just remember sitting with that and being like, that's so interesting. Like, cause it's obviously not something that I always have uh, like jurisdiction over in terms of that's not the culture I exist in. Um, but it's to see that that aspect of someone's culture like legitimizing in the research and saying that this is the gold standard of how we should be treating eating disorders in this community like we need to involve the family and we need to involve the foods that are inherent to their culture if we don't we're not going to be able to give them a, a lasting recovery to me that was like okay now we're headed somewhere we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to make it we're going to start seeing like real true recovery in
0: and, that. and yeah. that that attention of like what does it mean to assimilate coming from one socioeconomic status from home and now here, where are you? And this this resonates for me. My grandparents are from Italy. They came here and I've seen the ways that they were trying to be Italian, but also be American, Mm -hmm. but also be Italian American. There's these three (laughs) identities. And sometimes the choices they make depend on who's around them and how they have to like fit in and lean into who they are in the moment. And so those food choices, like the depth of thought that that takes to really understand how is someone placing themselves to make themselves feel safe around food. And in general, that's a lot of counseling work and you can't hit one person when the whole family's part of that picture.
1: And I think, I think it's super, super cool that they did that. And I think of just in the Latinx community, at least how I grew up, you don't go to the supermarket alone. Like, the adult <laughs> goes to the supermarket with, like, the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, anybody that lives in the household is usually going together. Um, and I, it's just a different experience. I know, like, like when you go to, to one of our countries, like, there's different places for every single food group. Like, there aren't really supermarkets. So it could I can see how you come from another country get here and it gets overwhelming because you're like I'm going to one spot things aren't as fresh as I'm used to um, because I was used to buying from like an open market in my country now I get here I'm a lower socioeconomic um, position and now I have to go to a supermarket that's in one of you know, the redlined areas, right, uh, where where the produce isn't as great. And so now I'm making choices of probably not buying that fruit or vegetable because it doesn't look appealing to me anymore. Um, and I've had that conversation with with a lot of my clients because I think about, you know, Growing up in the Dominican Republic, like in our house in the Dominican Republic, we have a mango tree, we have avocado trees, we have like, you know, citrus trees, like there's so many trees in our in our backyard we could just go to and pick pick a fruit from, right? And then I think about like, Puerto Rico, it's like the same thing in all the islands and mm-hmm. or in, in all of these countries, and then people immigrate to the united states they're used to tasting fruit that's coming from a tree good luck finding
0: a tree i don't (laughs) and and then
1: you get here and you're like this doesn't taste the same are you going to continue to buy that Uh no so then it's a whole generation that doesn't really get exposed to those tropical fruits that you had growing up because now the new generation isn't, you know, isn't getting fed those foods because your grandparents or your mom or dad, they don't want to buy that because it doesn't taste like home. <laughs> so there's like so much into it, I think. And, and yes, it, that has to be part of it. Like when people say, well, I didn't grow up eating, you know, fruits and vegetables. Why? Why do you think that is? And let's work towards it and, and let's see how else we can, you know, diversify your palate. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, All right.
0: Well, we could go for a long time. Yeah, miss. we that could. Was, we could. Thank so. you for um, that <laughs> incisive, as, as as top layer as we could get, Christina, on that oh. very deep topic. Um, amazing summary.
1: <laughs> so, so someone asked, do you have any tips for keeping culture alive while on an intuitive eating journey?
2: Keeping culture alive. So um, I... I think one of the things that I think is really important is connecting to the people that help you keep that alive. So for me, that is a conversation with my grandma. Um, I, I called her when I bought my first cast iron skillet a few weeks ago. I was like, grandma, I bought a cast iron skillet. You're going to love it. (laughs) And, and having those conversations with her around like food and things like that. Um, I think that that's really important to like see it from someone who hopefully has a, remotely better relationship with food. Um, but then also watching the way that they're preserving it, right, like no, regardless of where my grandma is in diet culture, like there are things that she's not gonna healthify. And so really being able to, to, to prepare those with her or have her give me the recipe. She gave me the oral translation of her peach cobbler recipe and my life has forever changed. Um, I need to make that by the way but um, being able to like have those conversations I think is really important and um, giving yourself a lot of permission a lot of permission for this to not meet what we think is quote healthy but for it just to be and to remember that this is part of you celebrating who you are as a person and where you've come from and where your family has come from and it doesn't need to meet any particular standard it just it is and that's okay Um, I, I think that's Really, like my main thing always is like, this is celebrating. Like, let's remember that food is allowed to be celebratory. It's allowed to be fun. Have fun.
0: Yeah. And when you're neutralizing foods, like when people have awareness of the foods that feel forbidden or they label as bad in their mind, that tip right there is super powerful because why not start on that? If you're ready to start in that hierarchy with foods that, like, you're going to be around that have cultural meaning to you like I think a lot of times when you read intuitive eating workbooks it's like try the Haagen-Dazs ice cream there's this like (laughs) idea of the first food that you should expose yourself to and it's like commercial America USA pint of ice Mm -hmm. cream trope of a woman eating that on the couch nonsense why not start with foods that are most valuable to you that are going to bring you the most joy the soonest peach cobbler sounds like a fine place to start if that's Mm -hmm. what works for you I love that idea
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I work with a lot of my clients of like let's get this Sunday dinner together right because Sundays don't yeah. keep coming baby <laughs> like, <laughs> a lot of Sundays <laughs> there's a lot of Sundays especially now and so making sure that we can sit down at that Sunday dinner and like eat the food and feel connected to our family feel connected to the food and not feel distracted by the food right Right. Yeah. not distracted we're connected but we're not distracted and I think that that's really where that work starts because if you can feel comfortable with that you can feel comfortable with ice cream right like there's plenty okay. of ice cream so, yeah, it'll come. But like being able to sit down with your family or people, your chosen family, that is really <laughs> important.
1: Yeah. And I think what you just said about calling or or I think about just like cooking the food with that person. Because when you tell them that you want to learn that recipe, they're not gonna hit up diet culture in the conversation. They're just gonna be like, Oh my gosh, he wants to learn how to make my dish <laughs> and they're gonna full fledged just go in there and teach it to you. And that's just so it's rewarding in so many different ways, right? You, you're connecting with your family. Um, you're learning something new. You're, you're learning the value of the food. You're learning the traditions of the food. You're learning, you know, where it came from, why that person loves to make it. Like there's just so much emotion attached to that that just can feel so good at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I love that because I've never thought of it like that before. It's mm-hmm. such a good way to think of it. Um, anything else?
0: I think oh, that was Delina, well, right. mm-hmm. Come on, you're sucking her dry. That was the most wise thing. <laughs> like Christina, <laughs> I wanna <to> learn more. <laughs> I am enjoying this conversation, though I have to say I'm like, like Christina, truly give me
1: everything you got.
0: <laughs> truly. That I mean, like this is it's so fun just to get to know each other and like this this is kind of brings around to Christina's earlier point, like it's good that we're different. It's good that people have different experiences. There's commonalities too. And that's the fun part of, of listening to other people is like, Oh, okay. It looks different, but the love, the family, the connection, the Mm -hmm. routines, like that's across all of, all of it. Like that's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just love hearing how you guys have these different experiences.
2: Yeah. I think it's fun to be able to keep that stuff alive. Like, like to me, it's almost like, um, Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm aware that my grandma's not going to live forever, but like being able to use those recipes, like that's always going to keep her connected to me. Like Mm -hmm. I get to keep her forever in that way. Um, Even if she's not always going to be, she she isn't always going to be here with me forever. But I think that that and the stories that get told as you're making the food, Mm -hmm. right. Like you get to learn about life in, in ye olden day, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is really important, (laughs) right. Like hearing stories of my grandma, when she moved from Mississippi to St. Louis or, Um, hearing stories about her growing up on a farm and what that was like for her. Like, that Mm -hmm. to me is way more important, like, to be able to have that connection with someone. And I think that oftentimes that's really good for people's concept of self and their, mm-hmm. their ability to accept their body because they feel more connected to people. Mm-hmm. And then they in turn, in turn like usually feel more connected to their body. So I just am always like, no, call. Like, and I say call because I live like 10 hours away from everyone that I'm related to. <laughs> um, but if I were in the same town as them, I would just drive down the street.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and like go visit them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's what you just brought up about connection um it's so important right the way that we connect to the ones we love that's what really gives us a lot of that sense of self right so if we're able to to connect and, and create these new memories and experiences we're going to feel so much better about ourselves <laughs> and we're going to feel so much better when we have that food right it's no longer to, going to be that no-no um and more of that oh my god I remember that and it made me feel good um
0: Once again, spoiler alert, it's not about the food. (laughs) No, (laughs) It's not about the food. This is about your life and your connection always.
1: Yes, yes. It's all about the human connection. Okay. So someone asked me about dating and not being comfortable in their body. Should they wait until they are fully accepted of themselves or should, should they just, you know, go for it? I mean, if you want to wait till forever, I guess.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think, I don't think that's a moving target, waiting till you fully accept yourself. That's a moving target because we need to remember that we're going to have to continually accept ourselves at different stages of our life. So you might as well just jump on it. Um, if anything, I would make sure our emotional state is ready to date. I would make sure we are our, health, our connection, our ability to communicate, that's really what I'm concerned about when you start dating, much less about do you feel, quote, comfortable with your body. You can set boundaries on what you don't want to do in the process of dating, like that's up to you, but I want to make sure that you have the communication skills to communicate like this is what I want versus this is what I don't want. Know what you want and what you don't want the body image will catch up.
1: Yes, I love that. Whew, okay, so I think that you gave us so many good pointers here. Um, I don't even know where to begin summarizing this, honestly. Like, I, I wish I, I could talk to you forever. It's um, not like the having...
0: hop on, hop off bus tour of wisdom. Yeah. You know, when you go to a city and you need to see <laughs> everything really quickly. Like we got off, we saw, you know, we come back on. <laughs>
1: um, But basically, I think some of the takeaways um, of our conversation today is that, you know, we we have to be ourselves and we have to ask for whoever we're working with to accept us that way and to be willing to meet us where we are. Right. Because we they're working for us. And they need to help us <laughs> in the process. Um, and so, and keeping our culture alive is so necessary and important for this journey, regardless of where you are in the journey. Um, connecting to, to others um, in your culture and just connecting to the food in your culture is so, so, so important. And if you're trying to date, make sure you have the communication skills <laughs> to say what you need. <laughs> Um Did I do a good job at summarizing that? I feel like I, was, I, I looked at the questions and I, and I was like, mm, that's amazing.
0: Oh, I love your brain, Delina. Well done.
1: Don't love my brain. It's very scattered. It, it's not like calm, cool, and collected like both of you. I'm sure you're both type A and I'm over here all over. Christina, are you type scattered. A or
2: type B? What would you say? Dangerously type A. Okay, Learn how to channel it into yeah, like a,
0: a more like productive, uh, helpful, pre- like Direction, yeah. dangerously Type A. Yeah, it's an engine, all right. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta make sure it's it's revved properly. Mm-hmm. That's why I love working with because She tends to be like, "That's actually not a deal. That's not a thing you need to worry about." Right now. <laughs> and helps mm-hmm. me come back down, back to zero.
1: I mean, I wish I had some Type A in me, because I'd and be That's why I,
0: I rev you up sometimes. It's a good. You do, thoughts. you do.
1: You told me, when I gotta get my shit together. Okay. So awesome. All right. Well, thank you so 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 much, Christina, for being here. Do you want to plug um anything right now for yourself? So where can our listeners follow you? What can they expect from you? <laughs> like in the future, maybe some more podcasts on the show. Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah Yes. Thank you for having me. I loved this conversation I feel like I'm always learning something new like I have some Instagram fodder for this rule around Ooh, colors hey. like it's it's there now hey. I'm
1: like mm. I, I, I'm gonna up in there
2: yeah <laughs> but um you can definitely find me on the internets um I'm on, I'm on Instagram at encouraging dietitian um my real snarky side my real sarcastic side comes out on Twitter at encouraging rd that's i'm i'm down with that twitter Twitter life um and i do have a podcast intuitive eating for the culture i took a a mild break to sort of manage my own stuff in the midst of a pandemic the ronas but um i'm sort of sitting with where i want the direction of podcast to go but i will be back
0: soon you have beautiful insight christina i am hopeful everybody is taking out their phone now and following encouraging dietitians. Can't wait to see you yeah. on Unstaff.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Just like me and Melissa met. Nice. <laughs> well, we met like that too, Christina. We did, we did. We all meet on the interwebs. Okay. Well, thank you so much for all of you who are listening. And we'll see you next time.
0: Another episode complete. I'm loving getting to
1: know our guests. How about you? Uh, me too because I just love having other people around the things are getting pretty lonely you know it's <laughs> <Just> quarantine life <laughs> it's just like I just need human interaction
0: <laughs> I said that to someone the other day like where was I I went oh I went to the dentist and I was like it was really nice to like talk to a semi-stranger I don't know I haven't talked to like strangers in a long time it's been just the inner circle of trust I know I think a lot of us are craving that, which makes me very curious about your group offer, Delina. What's been going on? Because I see you on Insta promoting this for the Chulas. What's happening in your group offer?
1: Yes, yes. So my groups are six weeks and it's really an intro to intuitive eating, right? So what I notice is that a lot of the Chulas I work with maybe haven't really heard of intuitive eating before, just have you know, a lot of questions about it. So this is just a six week group where we just dive into the principles of intuitive eating. Um, it's really kind of like wetting your feet in, in a sense um, when it comes to intuitive eating and actually really understanding how we're going to apply it to our culture mm. um, and how we are going to try to to live a life like this, right, in, in, in every day. And so It's just six weeks, we meet weekly. Um, We have a Facebook group, and in the Facebook group, uh, we chat and I post weekly videos and we have weekly discussions. And so it's super quick, Um, but then we have an alumni Facebook group where the Chulas that have kind of done this six week with me can then move on and still kind of have the support from one another. and it's really just a great community because everyone is at different levels, but everybody's supporting one another. And so it's just a, a great way to keep the conversation going after the six weeks are over.
0: Oh, I love how you practice, Lena. This is going to give people like the strong foundation that they yeah. need because I'm going to be honest with you guys, we keep getting some weird <laughs> weird questions sometimes about intuitive eating because why everybody and their brother claims they're an expert, but really only some of us are. And so what I love is that you give space for people to get those questions answered, to get the clarity so that they can Mm -hmm. focus on how they want to apply this in their life. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, So how often do you run these?
1: So they run every six weeks. So like I said, it's just like, you know, a little, a little get together every (laughs) Every, every couple of weeks. Um, and then we get to support each other afterwards. And then, you know, they can choose to continue to work with me in other, in other ways. But this is just a little intro where they can, you know, kind of get started.
0: Amazing. I'm so glad you built that. So fabulous. How can people apply if they want to learn more?
1: Yes. So the link is in my bio. So you can go to your dot. Latina nutritionist, and check out the deets in there or you can dm me I am always trying to keep up with my DMs. you always respond to me very promptly
0: which I appreciate so dm Delina she'll get back to you maybe not immediately because she's talking to me
1: <laughs> yeah. um and then yeah you could definitely just ask any questions I always um let everyone know like I want to make sure that I am answering all your questions so that you make a decision that's right for you
0: Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thanks for letting me know what you've been up to. Yeah, no problem. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being
1: who you are. We'll see you next time. Peace, love and break the diet cycle.